0: My hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello to all of you out there in podcast land. I'm your host, John Steele, and this is After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Hey, let's get cracking for the week here. Any control freaks out there listening today? You know, I've always felt like I was a pretty easygoing guy. Relatively open to the movie, restaurant, and general entertainment suggestions from others. If plans get canceled, I'm usually not too concerned about it. I feel like I've always been a pretty easy person to deal with. And then, my wife and I had kids. And at every turn, my ability to release control is tested. Plans to watch a movie tonight? I hope you're okay with a baby screaming through it. Wanting to visit friends this weekend? Ooh, sorry. Your whole family just got strep from daycare finally feel like your three-month-old is getting into a predictable nighttime routine, I'll well, allow me to introduce you to my good friend, Sleep Aggression. For four years now, and for many more to come, I'm sure, my ability to let go of my own plans has been tested time and time again. Now, in school, I was always a great student, but this is one exam that I keep failing and failing and failing. Yes, my name is John, and apparently, I'm a control freak. Well, our guest this week, Hannah, shares with us about her journey over the last three years of releasing her life plans and expectations and exchanging them for God's. A journey that's helped her identify that she's simply a steward of the life she lives and is trying to be very purposeful in partnering with the Holy Spirit. So if you're a control freak like me, then this week's episode is going to be good for you. And if you're not, well, please listen anyways, and please teach me your Jedi ways. Okay, here's Hannah. This one's for you, alumni. Hey, Hannah. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, John. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, I'm really glad that you're here today.
1: Me too.
0: (laughs) This is going to be a good time. I know that you shared with me previously, this is your first ever podcast. Is that right?
1: Yes. This has always been a secret dream of mine. It's cool to actually be a part of it.
0: Yes, me too. So it's good to know that there are other people that have these secret dreams of being on a podcast So Hannah, let's jump right in here. Let's talk about school. Where did you go to school? When did you graduate? Tell us just a little bit about that part of your story.
1: So I went to Grand Rapids Community College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I graduated in 2019.
0: When you were in school, what did you study while you were there? And then let's also just talk about how did you get involved with InterVarsity in the first place?
1: So I love fashion and I actually went to school for fashion and as a community college, a lot of people just come for the first couple credits, do a year, get their associates and then move on from there. And I was initially going in as this is just going to be a springboard. I'll just figure out whether I want to go into design or merchandising and then I'll get my credits for cheaper and then I can transfer. Little did I know I was actually going to stay there for the whole time (laughs) and then not go anywhere else. And then I got connected with university because of my sister. I'm the youngest of three. And all three of us kids went to Grand Rapids Community College. My brother did one year and then transferred up to Michigan Tech. So he wasn't there for a super long time. But my sister was there for like four years. And she had hosted a Friendsgiving at our house before I was in college. And so all the university friends came to our house and I got to meet them and interact with them. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I want to be a part of this when I get to college. And so I kind of already had a connection going in. I didn't have to find university. I knew it existed. And then I'm like, once I get there, I want to be involved in that.
0: That's really awesome. So you got to meet InterVarsity through your sister who brought people over to your house. And then you go to school for fashion and get connected to the chapter. Tell me some stories about things that stand out to you about your time there with InterVarsity.
1: One of the things I think is super unique about it. I remember we would do chapter focus week or compelling, and we were always with the same schools. And so we got to know some of them there, but I didn't realize how unique our chapter was from all the other ones because we weren't living in dorms with each other. There wasn't a lot of overlap. And so I don't think the relationships were as deep as other chapters who were like, hey, come on over for a movie night in this dorm. It was very much like you come and you see people and you make connections. And so the depth of relationship wasn't quite as deep as I was noticing in other chapters. I think those conferences were really key because like I said, we don't have a lot of time to spend together in the classic college settings, but those car rides that took three hours that you got to just spend and debrief on the way back or just talk about what's going on in life on the way up there.
0: So you have this chapter that has sort of a unique experience because it's a typically two-year school. You've got people that are transferring in and out, moving on to different campuses. You've got these conference experiences that were particularly powerful for bringing you all together. And you're having these kind of experiences throughout the course of your college time. As you think about moving towards the end, you're about ready to graduate or move on to the next steps. What kind of expectations did you have? Like, okay, this is what the next phase of my life is going to look like. What kind of thoughts were you having during that time?
1: Yeah, I had a very well laid out plan and none of it happened.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's talk about it.
1: So I was graduating in the spring, and I knew I was going to go back to summer camp. I had worked at a camp for five years. And then I'll go back to my job at Plato's Closet. And then I'll get some more retail experience, maybe do an apprenticeship for cosmetology on the side. So then if the fashion industry doesn't do too well, I can always cut hair. I had a backup plan in mind. Then maybe I can move to Grand Rapids, get into the fashion world. And I wanted to run my own business as an image consultant, which is basically like what not to wear in real life. So that was my future that I saw coming out of college.
0: And then what actually happened?
1: So what actually happened is a story I love to tell because it brought me to where I am now. I did go to camp. That went as planned. And I absolutely loved that. But it was the end of the summer. And I was going to go back to that job I had mentioned. And they were like, hey, I'm sorry. And always said we could hold that job. But we had to fill it. And there's not a job for you. And I looked everywhere for jobs that were remotely associated, like just some small boutique. And I was like, okay, this is okay. I'll just get other experience. And jobs that I was perfectly qualified and should have been able to get, I was not able to get any of them. None of them are working out. And it was a very clear slam door in my face. And I was like, all right, God. And I remember just feeling so discouraged. I had this plan and I have no idea what I'm going to do. The only other thing I would want to do is marketing and guest services at camp, but there's not job openings and they're not going to hire. And so I'm basically just going to be waiting around for summer. But our program director had just left and he said, I think that you should reach out to our director and see if you can help he's gonna be short-staffed and he's trying to do his job along with planning the winter retreat. And so I approached him and said, I have no idea if this is going to be a thing, but these are my things I like to do. I can help you do this if you can pay me, whatever, but I just want to be here. And so that kind of led to a weird interim program director slash part-time, kind of like an internship. And then I worked at just a random place to actually make money to live off of. But that led to me realizing this is what I want to do. Ministry in general. I really felt that as a strong call on my life. So then that led into the next summer. And I knew going into that summer that I probably wasn't going to be able to stay for another year, I was going to want to go and do something full time. So then I did the last summer there and then went and did an official internship for a year and a half at a camp. And then during that time, I was working with a lot of church groups and guest groups that rented out the camp. And I was like, I just kind of want to do what they're doing. I'm really close, but I want to be able to hang out with the kids and get to know them more than just a week. So that kind of led to where I am now working in church ministry. So whole long series of events that led from fashion to living in the woods to now in a totally different state working in church ministry.
0: Wow. And what you're experiencing now in your ministry role in this church, is it fulfilling what you had hoped your other job would fulfill? Is it something totally different? What is that experience like for you doing something that's completely outside of what you had originally anticipated?
1: That's a really good question. I wanted to do image consulting because I had been around a lot of women who would look in their closet and just be like, I don't like anything. I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel like I'm getting where I want to be career wise. And I really wanted to not only touch that, but to offer a deeper hope. And as I think about it, now that I'm in ministry, it's just like, why would I spend my life doing anything else? In a way, it fulfilled what I was hoping for in that industry. But I think that also just reshaped my heart to prioritize what he prioritizes and value what he does. Are you finding your confidence in clothes? Are you finding your confidence in Jesus? And I still like to shop and look cute and stuff, but I'm just like, I don't need to have a career in this.
0: What's that been like for you? I'd love to hear some stories of your experience so far.
1: It has been a huge growth experience at the very beginning. I was just like, it's new, exciting, everything's so fun. And then you kind of get off of that and you're like, wow, ah, what am I doing?
0: <laughs> so there's
1: been a lot of just personal growth for me of leadership in a new way. As a 25 year old, I'm leading parents as volunteers and people who are teachers as a profession. And they come to me for things. And I'm just like, guys, I don't have any kids. I'm like in my (laughs) 20s. You guys do this as a living. And somehow God just always gives me the words to know what to say. And there's just been such a crazy amount of peace around just knowing I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So not only just personal growth with learning how to delegate well and learning how to manage, but it's been really fun. I learned through my camp years that I really love pushing believers to a deeper faith. That's something that just makes me so excited. And so it's been really cool to translate that over to a long-term program with kids in more than just a week. One of my favorite stories is when I first came on, we launched a live elementary worship team. So they were just staring at a screen, singing along with songs. Maybe, maybe they weren't. And I'm like, this is not teaching kids worship. They're just staring at a screen. And I'm like, this is not helping anybody. So we just started with an acoustic guitar and someone to do motions. And the beginning kids were like, hmm. I don't really know what to do with this. And as they get to know the songs, and they get to know the people who are doing the music, hearing them sing loud and actually praise God. And the coolest thing is we did a worship night as a whole church, but we still did kids programming. So the adults were doing their own worship night. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do our own version of worship night in the elementary rooms with our worship team. I'm going to add a piano and we're going to talk about what does it mean to worship? Why do we worship? How do we worship? Because there's kind of these basic things that enter into the Christian realm that as kids, you're just like, I don't know what this is. And you just have to kind of figure it out. Just come on, sing the song. But okay, why do we do this? Why is it important? And that was, I was crying walking out of that because I took a huge risk. And I'm like, I've never seen this before. I kind of wish I had it when I was a kid, but I don't know how it's going to go. Are they going to like it? They're not going to like it. And I looked out and I could see on their faces starting to grasp what it meant to worship God and to just sing with all their heart. I was like, oh, this is so amazing.
0: Anytime the church is trying to help people understand why we do what we do and not just, okay, and now is the time in the service when we do this, but is actually saying, and this is why we do this and why it's important and worthwhile and helping people engage at a deeper level of understanding. I love hearing that. That's so cool. Also just hearing some of the skills that you're putting into play there. These things that you never expected you would have been doing, but yet you're working with volunteers that are older than you, that are in stages of life that you haven't experienced. They have kids, they work with kids, and here you're teaching them, training them, coaching them how to do Sunday school with kids, how to do ministry with kids. And seeing you use those same creative skills and strengths here in this space just in a way that you wouldn't have anticipated before. And that's really awesome. We go into these places thinking like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And then so often we end up in a completely different context, but we're still able to use a lot of the same basic skills that we would have used in that other place here. And they can serve us in a way that we wouldn't have anticipated.
1: Absolutely. I see how I was super involved in church since I was young and worked with kids and kind of by default became the preschool director, not paid, but just kind of volunteered. And had a ton of experience working with kids, which prepared me to be able to go and work at camp where I counseled and did a lot with church kids and loved really challenging and pushing them. And that experience ended up translating over into coordinating where I was overseeing the program and all those kids and counselors. And I felt so out of my depth there. I got thrown into worship leading and game leading. And I was just like, I'm, I cannot do this. There were times where I had like breakdowns at camp. I was like, this is so much. I don't know what I'm doing. And that helped me get more comfortable with leading worship. And I've done that a whole bunch more now that prepared me to be able to launch that team that I mentioned because I had the musical skills and the practice leading worship and that experience coordinating on a smaller scale allowed me to take the next step to be able to do this. And so even without a fancy degree, I had all the skills step by step by step that I needed to be able to do what I'm doing now. Each step felt huge when I took it. I felt way out of my depth. God was like, okay, we're going to take this step. And then once I felt confident there, then it's like, okay, move on to the next one. That gets really hard. And then you kind of work on that.
0: First of all, this reminds me that nothing is wasted. The experiences that we have in life, maybe they're meant to teach us, okay, and this is something that you don't want to do. That's a good experience to have to jump into a role where you're like, okay. I know for sure that this is not how I want to spend my life. This is not how God has equipped me. And so that's not wasted. But sometimes you have these kind of random experiences where you get trained in on something or you do something for a little bit. You actually develop some muscles, some coordination for doing it well. And then you step away from it and you're like, other than it was needed in the moment, I'm not sure why I did that. And there are so many times in my life that I can look back like you can do right now and be like, holy crap, these felt like totally unrelated things that had nothing to do with with each other whatsoever. And now here I am in this place and I'm using so many of those skills. God was preparing me long before I even knew where he was going to bring me. That's super cool that you can look back and see those places. And like, because of those experiences, I was able to do this thing with this kid's worship team to watch it grow and expand and see kids starting to understand why we worship and what's so great about it. Being able to look back at these things then, what are the ways that you can see God at work developing you into who you are today and who you are still becoming?
1: Three years is a long time, a lot of growth. I have learned so much. I think some of the big ones that stick out to me is just the Holy Spirit. I feel like my time at university kind of sparked that. And that's been a whole journey. I grew up in a pretty conservative Baptist church. And so it wasn't that we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. It was just, there wasn't a lot of gray area. And so if it was hard to explain or if it wasn't black or white, it was just either oversimplified or not really talked about. I knew the Holy Spirit existed, but it was the whole like, what does it mean to have a friendship with the Holy Spirit? How do I know when he's talking to me? How do I really know how to be in tune with that? Then even being introduced to things that were so foreign to me, like listening prayer. I was like, what is going on? And like lament, all that was so foreign to me, anything spirit led. That was really the whole catalyst for the journey that I went on and even is still developing of like what do I do with this Holy Spirit, the power that raised Jesus from the dead inside of me? And how do I actually utilize it? Because it's pretty amazing. And there's just a lot that I've been learning about peace in this last season, about how God uses this discontentment or that unrest to show us like, okay, maybe this is not where you're supposed to be. And then he gives us peace when it's like, this is what I want you to do. So it might not be an audible voice, but I know I interviewed in person for two different jobs. And one of them, it was so funny because I was staying at the pastor and his wife's house and beside the bed had this thing that was like, peace, I give you not of this world. And I remember just being like, God, I don't have peace. (laughs) And I was just like, I don't know doing? And I like journaling a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Do I fit here? Why am I so anxious about everything? And then that morning they were just like, Hey, you're really great, but I just don't know if you're going to thrive in this role. And I was like, this is great because at the same exact time I was coming to the same conclusion. So thank you for that. And then I went home and it was like a huge weight off my chest. And then I came here and it was just like, I had spent four months at home without a job, just hunting, searching. And when I came and met everybody, it was just this overwhelming peace. And I didn't realize that for the past four months, I hadn't felt that. And I'm like, this is very clearly where God wants me to be. So even just understanding how he communicates in ways that are more than His word or song or other people, but communicating through the Holy Spirit in those ways that you have to be kind of in tune to.
0: So, then thinking about this, where you're talking about the Holy Spirit and peace and sort of making these decisions, I've heard you talking about specifically making decisions for what the right job was to step into or the right people to be surrounded by. What about letting go of your previous expectations and coming to terms with, like, oh, this actually isn't what I'm supposed to be stepping into next? There's something else. What did that journey with the Holy Spirit look like? Not only of knowing the right thing to say yes to, but also when it was time to say, this isn't for me. I thought it was. And now it's not. What was that like?
1: Yeah. So there was almost two transitions in there that were pretty abrupt. So the one was fashion kind of shut the doors on me hard. And I didn't really have time to say, oh, this isn't what I want to do. It was almost like God saying, I don't want you to do this. I have something else for you. And so I didn't really get a say in that one. I like to say it's like I had all these great plans and God just came and flipped the table and it's like, nope. (laughs) So that whole journey of just I'm back to square one, God, I don't have any options and I don't know what to do. So you got to just show me. And then I think the transition between doing camp, which I thought when I felt called into camping minister, I thought it was very specifically camping. And I learned later on that it may have been for that season, but it also could be just ministry in general. That transition was harder because I had to let go of Pine Ridge. That was so close to my heart. My parents had met there. I went to church with a director. I had been a camper there when I was younger. And I mean, you spend five years of your life and most of the off season there. Your heart just is connected there. But We had our program director come in and I worked alongside him for his first summer and then half of that year before. And I knew that he was someone who would be so amazing for the camp, that he would be able to communicate in a way that I couldn't, that he would be able to fundraise and take initiative and make things happen that I felt like I had been hitting a wall. And it's not that they were bad things for me to do, but it was just like, I kind of think of it like David wanting to build the temple really bad. And God's like, no, I'm going to have your son do it. They were good things. They were going to get done, but I just wasn't going to be the person to do it. And so once I knew, oh, we're in really good hands, I felt like I could let go and move on and continue on my journey of where God was leading me and developing me. Between Pine Ridge and where I did my internship was in and of itself a transition. I learned probably about halfway through that guest services specifically was not what I was supposed to do. It was very behind the scenes, didn't get to know people very well. And I am very people oriented. So to just be like, oh, do you need a music stand? Oh, I'll light your fire, but I'll get out of your way. Okay. I'll be in the office if you need anything, was just not really my thing. And so that was really hard for me to stay and fulfill that commitment and know this is where God wants me, even though internally, I knew this is not what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. That was really hard because I'm like, well, this isn't what I'm going to do. So why would I waste any more time here? And God's like, there's still more lessons for you to learn, even though you know, this isn't what you're going to do. But I needed that time to narrow in specifically. So the transition between fashion and camp allowed me to have experience with God changing my plan. So the second time I felt more open handed with, I don't know what's going on, but I don't need to know what's going on because God's got the plan under control and he'll make it happen.
0: That's interesting. There was almost a warm up period that God used for preparing you for We've got some changes that are going to be happening here, and I'm not going to do them all at once. I'm going to prepare you first, then I'll take you in the full-blown direction. It just sounds like God's goodness at work in saying, I know that you're going to need some extra steps in this process, and so I'm going to do that for you. In the psychology world, we call them successive approximations, these successive approximations that get you closer and closer to the behavior that like, this is where I want you to be. This is what I want you to do. And that God is slowly doing that for us over time. And we should certainly go after it with tenacity, the things that have been given to us to do, that we should also hold them with open hands, knowing this just might be a step in the process towards the next thing. And how can I be open and ready for that? So Hannah, based on the stories that you've shared up to this point and the experiences that you've had, as you think about people that have just graduated, maybe even had a few months in this new season of life, what advice would you give to someone so that they can thrive in their post-college reality?
1: Really, over the past couple years, the concept of stewardship has been huge and how nothing is really ours. Our lives are not our own, our careers are not our own, our finances, our health, our body. None of these things are our own. They're God's that we've been tasked to take care of. When I think of it that way, it helps me open up because it's not my plan for my life. God already had a whole plan and he's going to fulfill it. And if I hold really tight to what I want, that's going to make it even harder. And if I have open hands and I'm just like, all right, this is where God's going. And I know when I know I'm just being okay with like, you might not know and your plans might change. God's plan for your life might look different than yours. And the most important thing is that we follow after God and we follow after Jesus and are in line with him and what he wants more than any plans we make for ourselves. I felt like that was just very evident that God's ultimate purposes will prevail and using our lives to glorify him and then following after what he ultimately wants.
0: That's awesome. And just thinking about what you've shared as far as the Holy Spirit and discernments that like we get to play a role in that we're not just along for the ride. We get to be an active participant in this. But what does it look like for us to be tuning our hearts to where's the Lord going? Because I want to be engaged, but to hold loosely, because as you said, none of this is mine. I've been put here to put to good use the resources and the abilities, the desires and the interests. God's given those to me on purpose, but I'm supposed to do something with them other than serve myself. And so what does it look like to partner well in those things? Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such an enjoyable conversation. I love getting to hear stories from our alumni and the experiences that they've had and the ways that they're encountering God in life after college. Thanks for being faithful and thanks for being a part of this with us today.
1: Yeah, and I am so thankful for InterVarsity and what they do. It is so good and so helpful for grounding students as their world is changing. That's so huge.
0: Well, we love getting to be a part of that. And while we are a campus ministry, we are also a ministry that loves our alumni, and value who you're becoming and the way that you are being a world changer. I'm grateful for getting to hang out for a while today.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: Wow. Alumni, can we just agree that this is a hard lesson to learn? A fantastic lesson, but hard nonetheless. Listening to the last three years of Hannah's life crammed into 26 minutes or so might make it seem like a fairly quick process, but I'm sure Hannah would be the first to tell you that learning to live into a my life is not my own stewardship mentality wasn't necessarily natural or easy. I'm sure it took time and lots and lots of shaping and was probably pretty painful at times as well. It required letting go of a career that she'd been looking forward to and pursuing for years. It required saying goodbye to the camp that meant so much to her and her family. It meant moving states away from friends and family for a job. All incredibly challenging and all requiring an open-handedness with her life. And in the end, her story up to this point has resulted in her saying, Why would I ever do anything else? She's found fulfillment and meaning by allowing herself to be moved by God's purposes and his work and not her own. My prayer for you alumni and for myself is that we're learning to live this way as well. I want to encourage you to endeavor to relinquish control of your life to the one who knows what he's doing and who knows exactly the right place for you. It'll take time, but you will find it. Hannah, thanks so much for joining us this week and for sharing your story. I'm grateful for your faithful example. It's one that we can all learn from. All right, it's time to close up shop for the week, but come back next time for my conversation with Mike and Annie, an alumni couple who have made it the mission of their marriage to share the love of Jesus through hospitality. They're going to share about influential moments of hospitality in their own lives and provide some tips for ways to grow in our own hospitality post-college. Make sure you don't miss it by subscribing to the podcast, setting your episodes to download automatically, and by following on socials at After4Pod. All right, that's it for this week. I will see you in the after, alumni.